on digital radio across the UK, on the Union Jack app, and on that Alexa lady. This is Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. Today, Josie Long takes Jeff on a trip down memory lane on Union Jack Radio. I am delighted to say one of our finest comedians is back out on tour. The show is called Tender. It was extremely well reviewed at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. You get to see it now. It's Josie Long. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm always, always cheered to see you. You're a cheering presence in my life, I think. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, and we're here to talk about your hometown today. Now, you were but you you weren't you didn't uh, you weren't born and then grow up in quite the same place. Let me get this right. Oh well, I was born in a hospital in Sidcup, yeah. and I grew up in St Mary Cray down the road, so it's basically the same. So we can for anybody listening in both Sidcup and or Orpington, it's okay to say they were one and the same. Oh no, Sidcup's in Bexley. I mean, right. Orpington's in Bromley. Those are two completely different cultures. Is it is it rival gangs? <laughs> No, it's rival bus routes. <laughs> um, so, no, I, so I was just... I, I, just born in Sidcup. Yeah, just in the hospital. We, we don't need to think about Sidcup. Whisked immediately out of There's Sidcup. There's no plaque up in the hospital in, in Sidcup? The hospital has since been demolished. Okay. And people don't know whether or not it has any relation to my <laughs> being born there, but, you know, you can't be too careful. Do you know your birth weight? <laughs> yeah, I do, actually. Uh, do I? Six pounds something. Oh, that's a good weight. Yeah. I feel like anything between five and a seven and a half, you're just supposed to say, oh, that's a good weight. See, I would say five is small. Oh, a bit on the small side. Okay. Guess... And if if anything's above, yeah, if anything's above eight, I'm like, oh, that's a big baby. <laughs> My baby was six pounds 14. Oh, lovely. Lovely, lovely weight. weight mm, yeah. Lovely what about weight. the head circumference? Oh, I don't know. See, I made a point, and when I because I thought like people always talk about weight, but they never talk about head circumference. So I made a point of or length. Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you think it's weird that we do the weight in imperial, but everything else metric? Yes, but I'm glad of it. I don't want it to be like 456 grams. You you don't strike me as a metric martyr. I would have thought you'd have enjoyed the metric measuring system. I do you know what? Where height and weight are concerned. That's my system, and it's right. not broken. I don't want people saying to me, "How tall are you in meters?" I can't bear it. it I can't. I can't um, visualize what that is. It's you like when people say yards. They say, "Oh, it's a hundred yards down the road," and I'm like, "That's nothing." No, no. We want it in furlongs or nothing. <laughs> um, so, so you're taken home. What is your first address that you live in 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 Orpington? What? Just say the address. Well, you can say the road. You don't have to say the number. Usually, usually when we're doing this, they have it on a screen so we can like look at the address and then sort of reminisce. But I don't think it's working um, today. I grew up in Austin Road. Austin Road, and and can you describe the house to me that year? Yeah, it was a semi-detached house. Mm-hmm. Pretty doing pretty well for nice. us. Nice. We did move into a flat in my teenage years, so that sort of is the sad arc <laughs> of my childhood. Um, uh, yeah, it was it. A, a garage attached to the house? No garage. No. Okay. No, okay. No, okay. No. okay. Uh, front drive, crazy paving. Nice. Yeah, which I remember when my dad got it. It was like a really big deal. Event in the family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The crazy paving, big deal. We had one of those plants in the front of the drive that the flowers are either blue or purple, but it's like a chameleon. 
depending on what the soil's like. Sometimes it's blue, sometimes it's purple. A bit like one of these things that goes viral every now and again, like that dress. Yeah, you it go in, you say, look, purple or blue. So, so who, who's living in the house at the point when you're born? Uh, my mum and my dad and my big sister. Okay, and, and does that family dynamic remain? Oh, does heavens it... no, no, no. Long gone. Okay. Long, okay. long gone. My so, sister divorced us, weirdly. No, no, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my parents got divorced when I was 12. Okay. Yeah. So so what is the age difference between you and your sister? Two and a half years. Okay. She's, she just turned 40. Okay, so you've got like a, a scout telling you what the future is going to be like for you. Yeah, but you know how... Right, so she looks... I didn't realise that she looked like my mum because I don't feel like either of us really look like our parents. But she's inherited my mum's lack of wrinkles and sort of my mum's kind of colouring. And I didn't realise until about three or four years ago that I've inherited my dad's face, which is a broadening jaw throughout (laughs) age and an absolute hive of wrinkles over the nose. Beneath the nose, fresh as a baby. Over the nose, a hive. And, but, this is the two plus points, no greys. If it's a plus point, who cares? I'm sitting about a yard and a bit away from you and I'm not seeing any wrinkles at all, nor am I seeing this Buzz Lightyear-like jawline that you're you're describing. This is very kind, but I've also requested there be a privacy screen between (laughs) the two of us and that's why. Um, What what, what did uh, did your parents do for a living? um, My mum worked uh, on and off doing different bits of teaching. She worked for quite a long time at um, Erith Technology College. Mm. Uh, which was a further education college. And she's still annoyed about a meeting where somebody told us she did too much photocopying. Like, I swear to God, a month ago, she rem- she told this whole long story about a meeting. She was hauled in for doing too much photocopying. Yeah. And she said she said to John Farquhar at the time, <laughs> I mean, I've really had the, the real details of the conversation. Um, <laughs> and my dad worked doing something that, to do with reinsurance when I was a little kid. It's always very interesting to me when people don't really understand what their parents do for a living. It happens far more often than you might, you might expect. Especially when you're really little. Yeah. So my dad got made redundant when I was about eight. Right. And then he had he had a really difficult time, actually. He really struggled to find work and then just was, like, really, really applying for hundreds and hundreds of jobs. Um, yeah, and then sort of gradually got himself back into where it was yeah the, into the, into the insurance industry oh god no not at all he worked for a while in uh an overnight garage and he worked on the dartford tunnel toll booths and then he got scouted to go into the office and it, I, the more... on, there are scouts scouring the tunnels to see the, the, this guy's <laughs> office material yeah, i guess so I, or maybe there was a job came up and he applied <laughs> i like to think someone drove through you know <laughs> they, they saw the way that he chatted to them they were like this guy <laughs> this guy's big news but he, um, yeah, the older I get, especially, I think he must have been about 45 when all that happened. And I think, wow, I'm just like so in awe of his resilience and how difficult that must have been for him and how hard he had to work to kind of, you know, and how hard it is for, you know, how hard it is. It's amazing what you are and aren't aware of as a kid. Completely. Yeah. And the way I would have interpreted that when I was younger is really just had no understanding whatsoever. Any any pets in the uh, in the in the pre primary school long household? Oh, an absolute cavalcade. cat. Pre primary school, there was a cat, but they got rid of the cat because the cat was jealous of me. No. Yeah. But did it try to kill you? <laughs> the cat was definitely a bit more more scratchy. Right. But imagine if I was demonically possessed, mm. and the cat was the only one trying to warn the family. 
Right, yeah. And then the cat. It would be a great short story. It would, and then the cat's cast out of the family. But it's on its way back to prove (laughs) that it was right all along. Yeah. You don't know what the cat was called, do you? Sheba. 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 Exiled man. Returning after let's say let's say more than twenty years. (laughs) And 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 who else was around? Were your relatives nearby? No, not really. We used to go and see my mum's parents. They lived in um Item in Kent. So we used to always go to Knoll House, which is like a country house. Oh. And uh oh Item Moat. There's like loads. It's real kind of national trust. Absolutely. And is that where your lifelong trust. love of moats comes from? <laughs> Could not get enough of them. <laughs> Absolutely. I take something for free. Item moat moat. It's not impressive, but in saying that I'm thinking, has anyone ever seen an impressive moat? Not really. I mean, it's a glorified canal, really, isn't it? Yeah, and not like a ditch. Yes. I would say it's a big ditch. It is a big ditch. I was I was overstating it with the canal thing. But if you were to think of a moat, you'd imagine something quite impressive. Mm, but they're not. No. Just a functional ditch of water. OK. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. Today, Josie Long takes Jeff on a trip down memory lane. Your first pri- your primary school then, where do you go? Um, St Paul's Cray CV Primary School. St Paul what now? St Paul's Cray CV Primary School. And, and where is that far from home? Um, it was actually, well, it was kind of a couple of miles. It was by no means our nearest school. And it was by no means the best school nearby. Like it was actually... Have you ever asked your mum about this? Why well, she chose yes. it? It's neither nearest or best. My dad is very... Um, like still is quite a religious person and we were very brought up very religious and um we um it was church of england which is what the church my and my parents went to the church down the road and was that a church of england church yeah and so it was very important to them that we went there wow that's the school here it is we've got it up we've finally got the screen working and there it is it's it's your very typical red brick they didn't used to have these um giant 10 foot high fences that's called secured by design that's a very sad hangover from the past 20 years oh there it is and what, what do you remember do you remember your first day at this school yeah I do actually I really do because I had toothpaste down me no I really remember my mum had to go and take me into the loom we got the toothpaste off that's what I re- and I remember that I didn't cry as much as I thought I was going to you strike me as somebody who who would love primary school. Um, I sort of did. I, so I have a friend who was who also went to St Paul's Grey, who was in the year below me, and she was like my lovely friend there. And she's um, a musician and a theatre maker and a performance artist. Her name's Brigitte Aphrodite. And we were talking about this school because my dad really wanted us to go there because it was um, the the church school. But she says it was not a, at the time a learning environment, and it was quite like a. I don't know, it was quite a difficult school. There was, like, always a bit of kind of, like, fighting and, like, noise and trouble in the classes and stuff. And I was a little swat. And so different teachers and I got on in different ways. So, like, there was one teacher who was so lovely to me and she would basically give me a book and let me go and sit in the library all day, which is a bit like a Victorian. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I, I had a touch of this as well at school where it was like, oh, there's this one kid who seems actually interested <laughs> in learning stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just let them... I tell you what I really remember as well. This shows how, like... Arrogant, I think I, I was. I think I was a very precocious little kid in lots of. So in some ways, I um I 
think about that little girl and I'm really proud of her. And then otherwise I think, God, I must have been absolutely unbearable. <laughs> unbearable. But they... Um... So, you, you know, when people always say, if you could go back and talk to your eight-year-old self, you'd be saying, Josie, just tone it down a bit, please. <laughs> Style it back oh, a bit. Do you know what I'd be doing? I'd be sitting her down and I'd be saying, listen, we've got a lot to unpick here. There's a lot going on in the family dynamic. Uh, have you got three hours? I think the one hour's not going not gonna to help. But the main thing we need to say is... Your mother gives you sweets every day. Don't eat them every day. <laughs> it's bad for you. Um, but I remember in about year one or two, um, there was a project where we made a newspaper as a class and everyone had to make an article. So what you'd do is you'd have a photo or a picture and then you'd write underneath it, right? And the teacher, because obviously I was incredibly annoying, was like, you can be the editor of the newspaper. And what I took that to mean was I get to choose kind of a design schema for the paper and, you know, perhaps an editorial voice. And and if that's the case, I really must be selective over what I allow in the paper. Which I think is fair, a fair enough assumption. So then I got given a, a guy called Christopher, I can't remember his surname, which is frustrating, gave me his article, which was a picture of a horse. You know when horses do that smile where there's a big teeth? Very gummy, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a horse and a woman doing the same thing. And the copy was, <laughs> the horse and the woman are laughing. <laughs> and I like, I, I can never forget it. The horse and the woman are laughing. And I remember thinking, that's not getting in the paper. <laughs> like, sorry, but the horse and the woman are laughing. That's not news. <laughs> but the teacher, I got in real trouble because the teacher was like, no, mate. The editor just uses the print stick and sticks them all in there. I mean, this is very typical editors being under a lot of pressure from the publisher <laughs> yeah. about their editorial stance. And, and you learned this lesson at a very young age. Absolutely. She was basically Lebedev. Yeah. And I had no voice. No but voice. Has, has, was it Christopher? <laughs> yeah. Has he gone on to pursue a career in journalism? No, and that no, could and be my could fault. Have done, could, well, it's the teacher's fault because if you'd have you know, given him his copy back and said, I need, you know... So you think he needed tough love? Yes. Whereas I think perhaps I crushed his dreams. No, I think the opposite. You know, and I think the role model of newspaper editors, certainly when uh, we were growing up, and I know you're a little bit younger than I am, you know, it's it's these very tough editors with tiny little cigar stubs and uh, they're wearing those things to keep their shirt sleeves up. (gasps) And you're kind of very angry on the verge of a stroke at any given time. A visor. Yeah, yeah, a visor, yes. Yelling at these cub reporters. And I think that's what Christopher needed. The thing is, I think... In the late 1980s, seven-year-old girls and newspaper editors were the only people wearing visors. So it was like a bit of a jump, but <laughs> a not a massive one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a very small Venn diagram. <sighs> I have realised something, which is that people either f- thrive on praise or adversity. Mm. And I really thrive on praise. Yes, what I too. need, But the problem is, what's hard about that is, then when you are in adversity, you it's difficult. Like, you, you need people to, like, praise Ad- you. Ad- adversity difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes I forget that things are very obvious. The horse and the woman are laughing. Um, but, um, but if you thrive on adversity, it's great. But what I, really, I was saying to somebody with stand-up, what they should do is just, if you're... Someone who thrives on praise, no matter how good or bad you are, for like the first five years, everyone should just give you a standing ovation. And similarly, if, if you thrive on adversity, no matter how good you are, everyone should be like, boo! <laughs> because if you get five years of what you need, then you'll thrive. <laughs> so I just needed to find out whether Christopher 
thrived on. I mean, it would be difficult to keep the audience up to speed on that policy at your average comedy night, <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, that could be reframe the job of a compare at these things. So this next act needs needs to be booed, otherwise they will never progress. As a It'd be a fun night. Yeah, this It'd is be true. like wrestling. It's true. <laughs> That's really actually why I like the wrestling, because it's really simple. Are you a wrestling fan? I like the um, I, I I like all the fringy, interesting. That sounds like I'm being a snob about, it, but I don't mean it like that. I I like um, insane championship wrestling, and I like um, evolve, and there's a few other things that are just like smaller scale. I just think it's amazing on a smaller scale. And and were you were you interested in sort of sports as a kid? Oh heavens no! If anything, I was a real sport avoider. Because I, I think of you as uh, I don't know you've you've got this. Sort of ruddy health, you know, cold water swimming, oh, yeah. this this type of approach to life. But you didn't you didn't have that early on. No, I was really, um, yeah, it was kind of. But I I think it's really set up that way. Do you know what I mean? It's set up like, are you bookish or are you sporty? Which isn't really a real, pardon me, it's not really a real thing. But you sort of, I think I really felt like, no, 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 I hate. Sports, I'm booking. I, I definitely felt like that. I yeah. definitely felt that. So, so here at St Paul's, then, like PE lessons, if they get the apparatus out, are you happy? What, what are you? No, and now I think I really would be. You know that? Yeah, the wall thing. Mm. No PE, I couldn't bear. We did um, folk dancing. Couldn't bear it. Do you remember that? Yeah, They'd yeah. We we, a... we just do maypole dancing. They'd yeah. wheel out what was usually the netball post, but it'd have uh, ribbons suspended from it, and we would have to do intricate skipping around it yes. so that it would weave different patterns yes. with the ribbons. Uh, do you know what's funny about I that? I think it's going to the 20th century. I just want to point out. <laughs> <here not. laughs> it was 1581. <laughs> I... I um... I keep thinking about how short primary school lessons were. They're only about 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. All of that gubbins yes. for like five minutes and then that's it. <laughs> so much. It is so much. Yeah, no, I've never been able to climb a rope mm. ever. Although, do you know what's fun? I learned about three years ago that your body can still surprise you in a really cool way. Like I've been doing yoga for a while and I did the wheel in yoga which is where it's a bit like a crab okay it's where you kind of um lift yourself up so you're arching your back off the floor i'd never thought i would be able to do it and when i did it i my heart was pounding i was like oh there's life in the old dog yet you know i was like what else new will i be able to do like sports wise and i think discovering like physical activity at a later age it was kind of marvellous Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio Today, Josie Long takes Jeff on a trip down memory lane Primary school, who was your best friend? Oh, I didn't I like. I, Have a friend I, I, I sort of had friends but not massively if that makes sense I was like on the edge of a little group so I was like Sadie, Monica and Laura. But yeah, Brigitte was probably one of my best friends. She was in the year below me. But yeah, Sadie, who I, uh, she contacted me on Instagram because I did Celebrity Masterchef and it was so exciting. I was like, she was like, you won't remember me. And I was like, of course I remember you. I would never There were only three you. people who spoke to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean... But but were you, I mean, so if your mum and dad were religious, were you in church groups? Did you have a sort of a bit of a life outside of school then? Yeah, we did a lot of bell, my parents did a lot of bell ringing. So where would they bell ring? Uh, oh, 
everywhere, just random churches, and we just sit in the. So it's not like football. You're sort of a home team, and then you go away to to play at different places with bell ringing. You... No, it's much more like multiple French exchanges. Interesting. <laughs> you just swap with other bell ringers, and you see their church, and they see yours. <laughs> I was in the church choir as well, and we got paid in Mars bars, which I now realised we were ripped off. Because like, if you're seven or eight, you're like a Mars bar. Mm-hmm. That's a grown up chocolate. Mm. Whereas like now, I'm like a fiver would have been. More appropriate. Yeah, and even then, not minimum. Well, maybe, but then it would have been minimum wage. But well, no such thing as minimum wage in those days. This, so this is very true. You could get away with what they liked. A mass bar, <laughs> evidently. Um, yeah, we didn't. I, we did a lot of activities. My mum really wanted us. She would always say she wanted us to be very well-rounded. So, where so would, you, would you go to the leisure centre? Where would you go? Oh, well, we'd do like pottery and acting classes, like drama drama club. Where would you go and do drama club? Oh, at the Crofton Halls. Next door to the Crofton Roman Villa, right by Opington Station. Okay. Yeah. And who was it? Who was the drama teacher? Oh, who was the inspirational drama teacher? She was amazing, actually. Her name was Trisha Elliott. And she emailed me recently about something. I feel like maybe it's the time that everyone contacts each other again. Or everybody just watched Celebrity Master Chef. <laughs> well, it was a great show, <laughs> and I well recommend likely. it to everyone. So what, what do you remember about the drama class, then? Um... That it was the highlight of my life. I loved it. And so what would you? What, I mean, you were acting. We used to. It was one of those, you know, like a kids' theatrey thing. So they would make us do songs from musicals, and we would do scenes and stuff. But we'd also do a lot of like improv and improv games and stuff like that. I mean, that was yeah, that was the thrill of my life. What I songs it. do you remember from then? Uh, we did a few songs from Hair. Is that appropriate? Probably not. Like we didn't like do them in any like inappropriate way state of nudity but yeah yeah. we did like the the dawning of the age of Aquarius I tell you the other weird thing is that pretty much every song I learned as a child I know all of the words for so I was in a choir called the Orpington Junior Singers and um, we used to do a lot of I guess at that time there were tapes that were sent to schools that school choirs would learn right so we would record the tape so there was one which was the story of the lion and the mouse set to lyrics of Mozart. And one was the life of Mozart set to music. Sorry, lyrics set to music of Mozart, both of them. And as a result, now whenever I hear certain songs by Mozart, I'm like, oh, I've got lyrics to this that I can sing along <laughs> about like Mozart's life or a lion and a mouse. I'm indelible, yeah. And uh, do you have a good voice then? No, awful. No you, good. You, are you an enthusiastic singer? Yes, love to sing. Good to, good to know. What about you? I, well, I'm a big karaoke person. I've got a terrible voice, but I, I, like the only social occasion I enjoy oh. is karaoke. Seriously, the only thing. Anything else gives me anxiety. I get anxiety about going out for dinner with a friend. But it's, you say, do you want to go and do karaoke with a bunch of strangers? And I will, I will be there straight oh, away. Nice. It's weird, isn't it? That's like me and swimming. Honestly, right. if 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 somebody's saying it could be anyone, it could be someone I feel very nervous to meet or shy of, or I think they don't like me or anything like that. And if they say like, "Let's go and jump in a river," I'll be like, "Great, we'll have a great day." That's so weird. Nothing bad. That, will that is the that that's the thing that where you feel like maybe you are the, the essence of you is on display, and you feel like you're most comfortable. Yeah, and also I think because I find it so therapeutic intrinsically, I just know that that day will be a lovely, benighted day. And do you think you can connect with another human being if swimming is the unifying activity? Yeah, you do, because you both experience that lovely thing. Although I'm trying to think, I'm sure there's other things that 
do that. My other thing well. actually is, it, if somebody said you want to come out for dinner with me and my friend who you don't know, I would say no, absolutely not. If they said, do you want to come out for dinner with me and my friend who's Swedish? I'd <laughs> say yes, absolutely. <laughs> is it Sweden or is it all the Scandi? I mean, I'll go. I mean, in order of preference, I'd go Sweden, Iceland, Norway, Finland, Denmark. But whoa, yeah. why, why are you hating on the Danes? I'm not hating on the Danes. I just think they're sort of the least Nordicy of all the Nordics. Okay, what about Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia? No, I don't think so. No? No. <laughs> Very sad. Sad for those it's not guys. Just, not just the Baltic Sea, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> I feel we're, we're off topic here. Let's go to secondary school. Which which secondary school did you go to? Newstead Wood School for Girls. What school for girls? Newstead Wood. Okay, Newstead Wood School for Girls. Newstead Wood um, School for Girls. NWSFG. Uniform? Green and yellow. Same as ours. Really? Yeah, it's, it's quite yellow. a rare combination. That, Here's think. the thing that really got to me. So my school is the grammar school, um, which automatically puts it in a really weird place. There's so much baggage attached to that. Like there's so much kind of opposition around in the community because of that, because it's such a weird thing as a community to be like, these children are special for no reason other than once when they were 11. Mm. And so it's it's dodgy and I feel very complicated about it because I loved my experience there, but I feel like it's intrinsically unfair. And I look at members of my extended family, like my step-siblings, who had nowhere near the same educational opportunities as me just because of one test when we were 11. And similarly, my sister, who went to the comprehensive next door which is a really good school as well like not a bad school but again had a really different time at school because of it but also there was just a thing that like Newstead was not cool and was like sad SWAT yeah I mean even the fact that I'm using SWAT it just shows. But would you and have so, identified as a SWAT? Yeah, I think I would have. You'd have owned it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're in a place with your your gang, the SWATty yeah. gang. And that's partly why I loved it. I loved the fact that we all really loved doing well at school. It was really good. But my sister's uniform was brown and yellow. The colours of shit and piss. <laughs> and yet my school uniform was the one that got... Kind of, my school uniform was universally known in the borough of Bromley to be the worst one. And I was like, yours is brown and yellow. And mine is green and yellow, which changed to green and white with a green stripe. And yet. Yeah, which would make you look like a pacer. What's you remember Pacer? Pacer. Oh, Josie, see, this is where the generational difference comes in. It's only a few years, but it's significant. They're a bit like opal fruits or Starburst, but just minty coloured, uh, minty tasting, and then white and green coloured. What happened to them? Don't know. I mean, do they sound appealing? I mean, it's free market. I mean, you're hearing about them for the first time. Does it sound surprising to you that they no longer exist? I don't love the idea of a mint chew. An opal fruit crossed with a polo. It's not, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. That's why it didn't thrive. That's why it didn't survive. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. Today, Josie Long takes Jeff on a trip down memory lane. Let me ask you about this. So you start comedy at 14. Yeah. How? What what happened? What what went wrong? No. Well, (laughs) I think it was useful to process the trauma of my teenage years. But I also think my mum was very encouraging of my, like... Wanting to be creative and be a performer. So you've you've done all this drama. You've got a, a performance bug. You yeah. don't. You, you, this this is making you uncomfortable. 
No, no. But so, so what, where, where does that pivot into comedy come from? What are you seeing that you think, oh, I want to do that? Well, I think it was partly came from like, I was very big. I like grew loads. So when I was 11, I was the tallest person in my class and big. Like, so I just kind of felt like I had to mitigate that somehow. So when I was sort of 10, 11, I realised that I could try and make people laugh a little bit and like uh, sort of, I felt this natural like awkwardness and anxiety that I wanted to kind of mitigate a bit. So I would. Like, and, and was there any component of if I say this about myself, then other people can't say it about me? No, it was a lot more like if I behave in this slightly silly, clownish way, I can get people to like me. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, I loved performing on top of that. And I did love comedy. Like when I was a kid, my, me and my dad. My, if I couldn't sleep, my dad would let me watch Monty Python with him, and we loved um, the Holy Grail. But we didn't watch Life of Brian, obviously. Um, we and I loved um, TV comedy. When I was about nine or ten, my parents had a little black and white TV in their room, and downstairs, when they were downstairs, I would sneak in and watch like the Mary Whitehouse Experience. Right, and like I have never laughed so much before or since I'd be like convulsed on the it's bed. It's so funny isn't it just you remember those moments yeah. seeing something and you feel like you're the only person who's, who's found it yes. and I remember you know I was a bit older but seeing Vic and Bob uh, their <gasps> yeah. big night out for the first time and it's that exact same thing you're talking about I can't remember laughing that yeah. hard ever so, before that or since and it's I'm always looking painful. it was yeah and I'm always looking for that thing yeah. but as I get older I know I'm less and less likely to see it because but when you do find things, it is so glorious. Like, yeah. I, there's a book I was thinking of yesterday called The Time Waster Letters by... Oh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, uh, your, your man, uh, it's Barry... Uh, it's Robin... Name. It's Robin Cooper, which is Robert Popper. I'm thinking of something else. You're thinking of Barry from Watford? No, no, no I'm thinking of... Uh, there's an American thing. Oh, The Heartfelt Letters. No. Oh! Have you ever come across... Oh, my... Henry Root. Come oh. across Henry Root. No. So Henry Root was the first person to do this kind he of was thing, the root I cause. think, in the 70s. But there's an American thing called Letters from a Nut by Ted L. Nancy, oh. which is the uh, a pseudonym of a comedian called Barry Marder. I've got Letters from a Nut. Right. Somebody lent it to yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, which is now a stage play, I believe. But all these things and the the, uh, the Robin, what's his face thing? It's it's all very much in the same vein. Just silliness. It really makes me laugh. Yeah, because it's naughty. Yes, and it's not mean. No, I love it. I love it. I oh yeah, that's another time I remember I got those books when I was about eighteen, nineteen, and just like on the bus laughing so much. Like I'm not being able to stop but yeah I loved comedy and I loved performing and I loved performing funny stuff but where, where were you doing you're 14 where are you doing it how do like it's difficult enough I think for people when they start doing it as an adult to navigate just what it is from oh I want to be funny and I want to get up and do something to how that actually happens how did you make that happen at 14 I think it's simultaneously easier and harder it's easier because you're less self-conscious you have no idea how cruel people might be to you and you are desperate to do it and desperate to share so in lots of ways starting stand-up as a teenager was really fun and easy and great because I just didn't 
So would you go from Orpington into London and, and get up on stage at a club then? Yeah, but that's what I already did. When I was about 13, 14, I started going to nightclubs with friends and nightclubs on my own. because uh, It was funny, it was this simultaneous culture of like being an extreme SWAT, but also wanting to be an absolute rebel. So we used to go up to real London and go to a nightclub called Rock Scene when we were all like 13, 14, because they did not check IDs. <laughs> so where would you go to, to do in real London to do comedy then? Um anywhere and everywhere and none of it had any meaning to me in insofar as I would go to Wilsdon and do a gig in front of 10 people at a jazz bar and then I would go to the 100 club and gig in front of 200 people or I would perform in a pub in Soho to three people and then perform as part of a gig at the Hackney Empire and to me I was like it's all gigs and none of it I just didn't know any but are you not in that just in that sentence covering a lot of progression because 10 people in Wilsdon is a starting point and then being on a bill at Hackney Empire is, you know, you've been doing it for a while and you're getting a reputation. No, I think if, you've, if you're doing five minutes, it's such a mixed bag. If you're doing five minutes, the right person sees you, they put you on for five right, minutes. Right, right, right. So in that year, it was anywhere and everywhere and strange opportunities coming because an influential person may or may not have seen me. And you're 14 going on 15? Oh, no, sorry. I started doing the odd gig when I was 14 going on 15. Oh, I mean, this is, do you understand why I'm like reacting in such an extreme? Right, OK. But 16 is so young. And yeah. are you like a superhero? Is it an alter ego? Do you go out and do it and not tell anybody? It was a bit like that. I did feel a bit like a spy because the component parts of my life were so different. Like, I had the situation at home, which was quite difficult. Then I would be gigging and feeling really great about myself and really, like like a superstar and then I'll be at school which was a really intense academic environment where I wasn't quite measuring up and did the people at school know about what you were doing sort of and did that give you any cachet N sort of it, I think I was like someone I liked being a part of the community at school I liked knowing as many people as possible and pardon me I quite liked people sort of knowing me at school a bit but it was weird. It didn't give me that much cachet. Like You deserved more. Yeah, and there was a girl a, a couple of years older who was a model for Just 17. Now, she was a famous girl. Damn her. Yeah, Damn her. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. Today, Josie Long takes Jeff on a trip down memory lane. We're very short on time here, so I just want to get some more Uppington stuff out of you. If you went to the pictures, where would you go to the pictures and what's the first thing you remember seeing? Um, we would either go to the cinema in Well Hall, which has since closed, or the cinema in Sidcup, or at a push, the cinema in Bromley. And, and what, what do you remember seeing? Uh, do you remember sneaking into your first 15? Uh, the first 12 I saw was Drop Dead Fred, and I was about eight. That's a great one. Yeah. And that, again, taps into your love of comedy, Rick yeah. Mayall, right? Loved him, yeah, yeah. Loved like, Bottom, loved yeah. it didn't really see the young ones because at the time it hadn't really been on TV. If so. you were just sort of hanging out as a teenager, where'd you go and hang out? Oh my! Well, so it started out that we went to nightclubs and gigs and stuff. And weirdly, we got it the other way around. So we started doing that when we were like 13, 14. And then by the age of 16, me and a couple of friends met some boys who went to the school next door to us. And we just used to go and get stoned in a nature reserve called High Elms. High Elms, that's in Orpington. It's near Orpington, yeah. You'd have to walk for ages from Farnborough through a graveyard. But it, but... Can, be, it can be done. <laughs> yeah, gee, I was talking to someone about this the other day, about how there's that brief period where none of you could get into a pub or where we, you were sick of nightclubs and where basically you just are outside. We would just walk past the houses of girls we liked in the oh. hope that they might look out of the window. Oh. 
We couldn't, no, no, we would have taken far too much confidence. We weren't those type of boys. Uh, what about record shop? Where would you go and buy your LPs record? in Alpington? It's called LPs. It was. Now it's a light shop. All right, LPs. But yeah. and what first record you bought? Um, oh, that was in Woolworths. I went on a spree and I bought the first CDs. I bought some tapes. I bought. Um, in utero on tape how to how could, you were just cool from the off Josie no, I wasn't. I'm not cool how to make friends and influence people yeah, in utero cool. and indie park cool. life See, this, this is this is good selection good stuff yeah. yeah and then I bought some CDs I saved up for like four months and bought ten CDs when you think about Orpington yeah could you could you ever imagine a circumstance in which you live there again well, firstly, I couldn't afford to live there, really. So it's gone up quite a lot. <laughs> well, no, probably... Oh, who knows? Um, no, I feel really awful. I Like, I've I've come through lots of things. I used to just be like, I hate it. I'm glad to have left. Oh, it's the worst. And now I sort of do feel affection for it. But uh, when I was growing up, I just don't know why. I just felt like the suburbs were like death. And I just didn't want to compromise that, in my life. That's a great motivator, though, isn't it? I just wanted to get out, yeah, yeah. desperately. So it desperately. really did you a favour and you wanted to get out. Yes, you know. if I'd have grown up somewhere that was cushy, maybe I wouldn't have had the motivation. And I think similarly, like, having a bit of difficulty in, in my teens at home, I think I was like, I've got to do something with my life and I've got to get out. And, and also, I think I just was very, uh, maybe arrogant or maybe confident, but I was like, I am going to be a comedian. There's no two ways about it. That's what you I'm going to do. You are a comedian. There's, there's no getting away from it. If you could go back and uh, and observe just for five minutes, you in any of those places we've talked about today, oh. give give me one place you'd like to go and see little Josie. Oh, oh wow. Oh, I don't know. It's weird with things like that, isn't it? Crofton Hall. S- yeah, go back to Crofton Hall, see all that, yeah. Singing the songs about Mozart. Uh, Josie Long, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.